Welcome. You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you could join us. We're here today with Dr. Jennifer Stewart, partner and owner of Norwalk Eye Care in Norwalk, Connecticut, and the owner of Performance 2020, a sports and performance training center in Stamford. Welcome, Dr. Stewart. Thanks for having me. I know that we've talked uh, in the past in Women in Optometry um, and in our conversations, you ended up on a very aggressive fast track to partnership. Yes, that is true. I kind of have a unique story, I think. (laughs) Please share it with us. Well, I graduated from the New England College of Optometry in 2007. Um, I moved back to the Hudson Valley in New York, where I'm from, shortly after graduation. I spent a year practicing there. I was in two different practices there from about August of 2007 until 2008, when I joined my current practice here in Norwalk, Connecticut, with my partner, Mark Fader. And you selected that practice by design? Well, I wasn't really looking at the time. So when I was a fourth year student, Mark had reached out to me as he was looking to add another doctor to the practice. At the time, I was um, on my fourth year clinical rotation in White River Junction, Vermont. So I wasn't able to get down and meet him. And I had planned to move back to my hometown, practice there. You know, I said, thank you for the phone call. It's really nice to, um, to speak to you, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of set on moving home. And then he reached out to me a year later and said, I'm still looking. I know you've been working, but I'm still looking for an associate to join the practice. Your name keeps coming up. So I wanted to reach out again and see if your situation's changed. And at the time, I had been kind of thinking about my next steps. You know, I'd been a year into seeing patients, was thinking about ownership as, as that has always been my goal. And I said, you know what? Opportunity doesn't knock twice, usually. <laughs> so I said, you know what? I will make the drive over to Connecticut, meet with we, with you, see the practice, and see what I think. And I came over here and quickly moved here about a month later and joined the practice in August of 2008. And you became a partner when? So I became a partner in January of 2010. So I'm coming up, it's crazy, but I'm coming up on my decade anniversary of practice ownership. Which Congratulations. Is crazy. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Taking that leap of faith and that risk you know, over 11 years ago to pick up and move to a new place where I knew no one, um, start fresh in a new practice and kind of take that chance. It's worked out unbelievably well. That's great. Now, it's interesting that you you talked about a leap of faith and risk because entering into a partnership discussion is certainly filled with with some risk for for all parties. Um, How do you how do you mitigate that from the start in when you're having these discussions? So I I think I knew what I wanted and I knew while I was in optometry school that my end goal was to be in a private practice and to eventually own that practice or be a partner in that practice. I didn't have a timeline because I said, you know, we don't, when I graduated, I was just so consumed with seeing patients and figuring out how to stay on schedule and not fall behind and do all of the things that we're trying to do as first year doctors. But my long-term goal has always been to own 
practice and I didn't know how I would get there or what that would look like. But I think the first step is knowing what you want to do and private practice and ownership is not for everybody. It's, it's definitely, it can be challenging at times. I, I think we all face in our role different challenges, but in private practice and especially as an owner, there are challenges you face. But to me, I don't see them as, as challenges. I see it as exciting opportunities to learn, to grow, and to constantly reinvent myself. So <clears throat> for me, kind of knowing what I wanted first was key. Um, when Mark and I sat down at our first meeting, he, he's just great in interviews and he's great with the way that he asks questions. And he, I'll never forget, he sat me down and asked me what my one, three and five year goals were. And I think 10 might've been in there too. But I, and the great thing was I had answers because I might not have formally written them down, but I had a sense of where I wanted to be in those time periods. So I think that helped us formulate a plan because I was, I'm a goal setter by nature. I love numbers. I love setting goals and I love crossing them off a list. So I think with me being able to tell him where I wanted to be in those time frames, it gave him a sense that I, you know, I, I'm looking for the responsibility of being a partner in a practice. So we sat down and talked about what we wanted and we made a date to sit down exactly a year from then to talk about the next step after I had been in the practice for a year, what's going to happen? I'm, I'm, are we going to pursue this partnership? Do we need a little more time together? Is it not the right fit for one of us or both of us? So I think also setting a concrete next step instead of saying, we'll talk about it in the future. And then 11 years goes by and you're still toiling away wondering if you're ever going to be a partner or know what the next step is. So that was a long answer to your question. So. <laughs> you you mentioned reinventing yourself and, and learning and growing, and you found a second opportunity to do that with the uh, uh, Performance 2020. Yes. So I've always had a a passion for sports as well. So I'm a division one track and field athlete. And I always wanted to find a way to include sports in my profession, whatever that was going to be. And when I realized I wouldn't be a professional athlete, I had to kind of think about how can I combine two, two things I'm passionate about once I figured out it was optometry. And I found the field of sports and performance vision. So I've known about this, you know, I've now it's coming up on over 15 years that I've been involved and it's, it's evolved rapidly and there are so many changes that have occurred, but mm -hmm. I set out, um, gosh, I guess it's three or four years ago, four years ago, we've set the plan and works, um, my husband and I to open performance 2020, which is a standalone sports and performance vision training center which is located near my practice, but not in my practice or even in the same town. Um, so we've been open, We, I guess 2015, we set the plans in motion and opened in 2017 officially. So we've been almost three years, we've been working with athletes in the community. That's great. And now you started um, with hockey players, Correct. I believe. So we are located on the second floor of a large hockey complex. So it's called Stanford Twin Rinks. There's two rinks um, on the bottom floor, but on the top floor, there's about 10,000 square feet that is shared. We each have our own space, but there's a strength and conditioning group, um, a 
chiropractor group and a physical therapy group and our practice as well. So we're all there in the business of enhancing performance. And it's been great because we can also work together. And once everyone learned what we're doing, because people said, wow, that looks pretty cool, but I have no idea what sports and performance vision is. So I've had the opportunity to educate colleagues in the strength and conditioning world, chiropractic, physical therapy, um, concussion world. So we've all worked together and they've been great on recommending and and, um, sending athletes my way as well. Now, it's interesting because when we talk about sports and uh, performance um, training, you know, uh, this has come a long way from, well, bring your golf clubs in and we'll you know, we'll see if we can fit you with a good pair of, or, or bring your rifle in and we can see if we can fit you with a good pair of glasses. This is uh, the, what does your center look so like? So we are, um, we have a single space. So we're about 700 square feet and just picture a big open room. So when we were looking at space, we didn't really know what we'd need, but we envisioned having a lot of room for athletes to move around. So to your point, you know, I do have athletes still coming in my office. It's funny you mentioned that. I do work with a number of shooters who do bring their their guns in here so we can fit them with the correct prescription for glasses mm-hmm. and contact lenses. But in our sports and performance center, we're working in free space. So we're using a lot of ball toss drills. We're using strobe glasses to train. We use high technology such as synaptic and neurotracker and FitLight, which are all technology tools mm-hmm. that help athletes improve their eye-hand coordination, reaction, anticipation. So we're not fitting glasses there. There's no contact lenses. I don't have an exam lane. I wear shorts and a t-shirt. Um, it's a very different different <laughs> type of, of environment, but it's great to be able to switch gears and still work in the vision and cognition realm, but do it very differently. And so what, what is your, what is your, you know, sort of management role and what is your optometrist role? So I, I actually am not there very often, which is a great way to, to start another business is not to have to be there all the time. So (laughs) I, unless I could clone myself, which I'm still working on, but, um, I'm in Norwalk. I care most of the time. I see patients here three to four days a week. Um, performance 2020, I, I, we joke, I'm the face of performance 2020. So one of my roles is Mm -hmm. to meet with coaches and parents, whether that's in person, phone, email. Um, I do a lot of the the pre-work where I'm speaking to parents about the type of training we're doing. We get a lot of emails. I had three calls and emails yesterday from parents who said, I want my son or daughter to train with you. I don't really know what you're doing, but I've heard we have to do it. So sign us up and then tell me what it's about. So I spend a lot of time educating um, and kind of talking through what we can do for each athlete. I do a lot of of the training of our trainers. We have um, two trainers currently, and we're hiring a third and possibly a fourth. So I do, yes. So staffing is always always a challenge in any business, but I do a lot of the work of training the trainers and understanding the philosophy about what we're doing and the progression of, of training programs. I also write all of the training programs as well before the athletes come in. So I'm, I'm not really there a lot, but I'm always, always working. The great thing is I can do a lot of it from 
you know, during lunchtime or evenings or weekends, and I don't have to physically be there as much. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of data involved in performance training yes, today, isn't there? Definitely. So, so how does that, I mean, I'm sure that helps, uh, quote unquote, sell it. Um, but how, how does that work? I mean, what can you so the measure? The great thing is that sports and performance training has really evolved from even 10 years ago, where instead of optometrists or people who want to do sports and performance vision work, all working on our own and coming up with our own ways to test and our own ways to train, now there's, there's starting to be more technology. And with that technology comes measurement and you can actually see how people are improving. So when we have an athlete start, we do a baseline evaluation on every single athlete where we use something developed by Synaptic called the Synaptic Sensory Station that measures 10 different visual and motor skills on every athlete and compares them to a database of their peers in their sport position and age group. So we like that. Yeah. So uh -huh. people like to know how they're ranking. You know, how does my hockey goalie mm -hmm. rank compared to other kids his age? But also he wants to play Division One hockey. So now we can also, just with a push of a button, compare him to that demographic as well. So we can uh -huh. show them how they compare to start. And then periodically through their training plan, we're reevaluating as well. And we can actually track their improvement. So it gives it validity because people are actually seeing people being parents. You know, we want to know what we're paying for. So parents can actually see that mm -hmm. the training is working in addition to hearing how it's working on the field. But we can measure and collect that data and actually show them here are the things that you might not be as good at or might be a better way to say this, a better opportunity. These are opportunities for improvement, but now we've done six or 12 sessions. So look at this growth, look at this improvement that we've had. And I think that makes everybody feel better about the time and financial investment that they've made. True, because I'm guessing that performance vision is not a reimbursable kind of uh, opportunity. <laughs> you are correct. So it is not. I, I, you know, we do not take insurance there. I always joke. I, you know, it's not a, a practice. It is not. Um, we are not doing anything. Vision therapy. It, it's different than vision therapy. So there's no insurance reimbursement or coverage. So it is a cash business. It is out of pocket. So. Uh, it's similar to strength training that we consider it an enhancement tool or something additional to um, to their training. And that's so cool that you're up there on your second floor spot with all those other, um, yeah. you know, performance enhancement groups. It really does kind of put you into a different uh, uh, category of service. Absolutely. And that was our, our design was that we did not want to be in we want it to be less on the medical side and more on the sports enhancement side so for us we lucked out with that space we we were we were looking for more of a storefront or somewhere that we'd have visibility and our broker our real estate broker showed us this space before it was even built so we were one we were the second to sign on but it, it kind of tapped into my idea of having like-minded professionals all in one space where we have a number of athletes who will, you know, come to me after they've done their strength training or they've seen the chiropractor and coming to me and then they're skating downstairs. So a lot of parents have said to me, you know, if, 
if you weren't here, it would be much more difficult for me to get my child there, but it's one less stop I have to make. So the convenience has really helped us, you know, just by driving people through, A, they walk by us when they're doing other things, but if they're already there, it's one less stop a parent has to make. But you've expanded beyond hockey players now. Absolutely. I think at this time we've worked with somebody in every sport. So hockey is still our bread and butter and hockey goalies Mm -hmm. to be more specific. Um, We also second to, well, lacrosse goalies are our second largest group of athletes, but we've had every sport, um, hockey, we've worked with every position. We've worked with a few of um, of the NHL players including some from the Rangers. We had um, uh, this winter, or I guess this spring, January through April, we worked with um, one of the Detroit Lions, who is a tight end. Yeah, so that was that was fun. Very different from a hockey player, very different skills. Um, we have a high-level figure skater who will likely be in the Olympics in the next um, Winter Olympic Games. We've worked with uh, the top squash player in the country, Um, We have softball, soccer, basketball, baseball, tennis, golf, and we've even haven't had a number of who of I'll say non-athletes, but people who have come to us just because they want to keep their brain sharp. And they said, you know, I'm interested in your training. I might not be an athlete, but I'd like to just work on balance and just work on keeping myself mentally active. So we've had everything possible. Interesting. Interesting. Now, you, uh, as a Division One track and field athlete, may not have been as familiar with, you know, the, the visual requirements of a of a hockey goalie. You are correct. <laughs> How did you learn kind of what what these specialty positions need? So it's interesting. I work with a number of of doctors who are adding sports vision to their practice or have wanted to start something separate. And, and the advice that I give the, the clients that I work with is, I always say to parents, we're not coaches. I'm not going to take the place of your child's coach. I'm not going to try and coach them in their sport. I'm not going to change their body position. I'm not going to change anything. But we look at anytime we have a new athlete start or a new sport, when we had our figure skater start, we all went, hmm. No experience with high-level Olympic caliber figure skaters, but what we do and what I really think about is looking at the sport and position and looking at their visual and motor needs. And, you know, a hockey goalie has a very different skill set that they need versus a figure skater versus a squash player versus my tight end. But I look at each sport and I, you know, I spend a decent amount of time researching what they're doing. And if it's a sport that I'm not familiar with, I didn't grow up with hockey um, or lacrosse. So I spend a lot of time you know, watching goalies and understanding what they do. And luckily I have very smart friends too. So <laughs> I can reach out and, and my coaches, I tap into our coaches, are our trainers are mostly highly skilled coaches. So they understand okay. sports and they understand what that athlete might need and then I can give them the background here's the visual performance side so this is the training program we're going to develop and it's based on not training the skills I'm not making them I might not work on their hockey skills but I will work on this the visual and cognitive skills needed for a hockey goalie 
Right, which which would be what sort of tracking the field, tracking the tracking. the puck. Mm-hmm. Yep, tracking, anticipation, decision making, focus, and concentration. So we spend a lot of time working on focus and concentration, and mm-hmm. I think it's so key. You know, kids today are. are Kids and adults, I'll say we're all very good at multitasking, or so we think we are. But when we're doing multiple things at once, we might be not attending to the things we actually need to do. So we teach the athletes to kind of strip that down and to really be have this singular focus where I don't, I always tell them, while you're playing, it doesn't matter what you have tomorrow. It doesn't matter what you have after the game. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday or five minutes before the game. We really need to develop to develop these skills where you can focus on that game. And there's ways to do that, but it's hard. And it's hard for, you know, I think it's hard for me when I'm in an exam, I'm thinking of, okay, I have to remember to say this to this patient. Oh, I forgot to write that in the chart. I have to call this person back. I have to oh, I forgot to pick this up at the store. So I think we're all guilty of having these multiple conversations with ourselves. But Mm -hmm. if you're an NHL goalie and you're doing that, it's going to be a very rough game. (laughs) So so teaching them to shut it all out, shut out the external and internal conversations that they might be having and and have that singular focus. And we've seen that trans, that's kind of gone and ha- they've had improvements in school as well. So we've had a number of parents say to us, you know, the school year has, is much different. We're getting feedback from their teachers that their focus and concentration in school is much better as well. Interesting. Yeah. Great. Well, Dr. Stewart, thank you so much for you, for uh, sharing the experiences with us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me as always. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again next time on WL Voices. If you'd like to be part of our podcast series, please contact us. You can email us at wovoicesonline at gmail.com or via our website, womeninoptometry.com, on Facebook at WL Magazine, or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.